Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, this is Dana Scott, host of The Inferno, with my lovable co-host, super fan of the Suns, Mr. Orange, a.k.a. Patrick Batillo. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? It's been great. Um, it, I could be better, but I look to the positive about everything. A lot has happened since we last recorded our podcast about three weeks ago. It has. <laughs> A lot has happened since Game 7, personally, in my own life. Um, <laughs> And, and also yours. And, uh, and uh, how is your father doing? Uh, let's start with that. Yeah, thank you. He is getting better day by day. Uh, so, you know, October 20th opening night, he was uh, hit by a red light runner. Um, you know, he's, he's now in a rehab facility, uh, still not walking, but breathing on his own, uh, able to eat uh, and communicate when his, uh, you know, trach is capped. Oh. And so, uh, yeah, it's just been you know, a, a blessing to watch, you know, him come back and, and the support that um, the whole community has provided has really, you know, done wonders for us as a family to navigate through this. And, uh, you know, still a long way to go. Um, the brain trauma is still, still working through that. And um, he has his better days of memory and, and uh, it's not so great days, but um, all of that, you know, will continue to hopefully improve as time comes. But thank you for asking. Oh, yeah. Life is more important than uh, basketball. And this Suns podcast uh, is, it's been a month since the Suns' uh, fateful game seven, I should say, because uh, May 15th was the game to end its cruising through the season at its record of 64 and 18 for the franchise and had a crash landing to uh, crash end to the season against the Dallas Mavericks and the 33 point loss was just like this big WTF uh, for most Suns fans and the entire basketball community for the Suns landmark season in that way there's a lot that's happened so for this podcast episode we are going to discuss uh, what the Suns are going to do from here if possible entering the draft free agency uh, also we're going to discuss uh, you as a Peoria high school boys basketball coach entering section seven and we're going to talk about the AZ Central Sports Awards and why uh, some people from the uh, sports community feel maybe snubbed or feel that uh, this format should be done differently. So let's get started about the draft. The Suns do not have any draft picks. If there are any possible ways to get into the draft, there are some suitors out there possibly for the Suns. Who should they be? What type of players are the Suns looking for in the NBA and in this draft class and why, in your opinion? Yeah, you know, I would love to – this one's tough, you know, Dana. It's where I think the Suns are at a point right now where there either is going to be a whole lot of movement or potential one to two pieces, um, you know, for, for where the Suns and we have been at the past two seasons. Is it something that a draft pick is going to fix – 
not that we have to win now, but we have a nucleus that is where it's at. We have, you know, obviously the veteran and Chris Paul. Um, you know, I, I think to me, the draft is not the best option for this makeup of the of the team that we have now. Right. And so there, that's not a route I would like to go, honestly. I don't know what you think or what prospects you think could be worth it. Would love to hear your perspective and how they would help the makeup we have now. Yeah, let's give some context to why the Suns don't have any draft picks before I get into yep. what you're asking. They don't have any draft picks because Phoenix gave up Kelly Oubre Jr., Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, and Jalen LeCue and their 20, uh, 2022 first-round draft pick in exchange for Chris Paul and Abdel Neighbor, uh, from Alda Neighbor from OKC Thunder back in November 2020. And then they don't have a second round draft pick this year when the draft starts on June 23rd because the Suns gave up their second round pick in a trade for getting Torrey Craig uh, right around the trade deadline in February. That was uh, the Pacers got the Suns 58th overall pick and Jalen Smith in that trade. So the thing that the Suns basically need is they're going to need a point guard and Credit to what I read recently from uh, one of my friends and fellow Suns beat writers, Gerald Bourget, uh, that there is a chance that Suns could get some backup point cards, mid-level exception. Uh, if they don't hit the cap, they are expected to hit the luxury tax. And James Jones said right after the season ended that they are ready to enter the tax if they need to, because they're ready to compete. And that's what this team was built for, to compete. And as I've said before, they I don't believe that this team is ready to be torn down from the top down. And if the Aiden thing happens, they would probably have to do it in a sign and train to get something back. But if they do get something uh, from uh, a trade, they would probably start with Tor, uh, no, sorry, not Tory Craig, Cameron Payne. He didn't have a great second year after he got his three-year $19 million deal from showing out in the 2021 playoffs in the run to the finals. He basically just didn't show up as expected for in the regular season. He was hurt, uh, missed us, you know, 16 games total, I believe. Uh, and then he came back and he was okay, but he didn't really show up in the playoffs when they needed him. Uh, so for a tradable contract, he has two years left um, on that $19 million deal originally that it was. That is definitely something to consider in getting a creator in return who can score as well as basically facilitate the offense for others because Chris Paul is on a four-year, $120 million deal, okay? So that's going to take a while. Uh, and Chris is entering age 38 next season. You know, by the end of the season, he'll be age 38. That's basically where Nash was at the tail end of his career before he left Phoenix, before he was traded to the Lakers. Not to say that Chris Paul will be traded uh, because Monty Williams does believe in Chris Paul, but anything is possible in this league. You know, all players are expendable. Chris Paul has a history of injuries and not showing up uh, when it comes to uh, clutch playoff games where they need him the most. Uh, so they will need somebody to back him up. And I see in this draft... Uh, okay, so OKC has four draft picks. They have number two overall. That will probably be either uh, Chet Holmgren or Paulo, uh, from Gonzaga or Paulo Banquero from Duke, two first-team All-Americans. 
or if Orlando uh, does not pick uh, either of those two, uh, number two could be Jabari Smith from Auburn, who's a high flyer. So that's a creator uh, um, as in, in those three guys. And they're all got height. Colin Glenn Carroll, 6'10". Jabari Smith is around the same height. And so is, uh, you know, Chet Holmgren is about 7'1". OKC gave up their 30th uh, overall pick in the first round uh, yesterday to the Nuggets to get uh, Jermichael Green. So that's off the table. Then you got 34th overall. And then uh, the OKC Thunder, I uh, believe, actually they have three picks. So let me back up. I said four. They have three picks. So if they could get somebody maybe at OKC, uh, 34th uh, pick in the second round, that might be viable. But there's a lot of going, going around. I think the Suns definitely need somebody to be a backup uh, at three swing man because Torrey Craig didn't show up at all either. Uh, if if they're looking for a backup four, a guy who can shoot, uh, maybe Jay Crowder is the guy. If, if, if Jay Crowder has a history of inconsistency, great player, does a lot of things off the ball and intangibles, but he could be a guy that with two years left on his deal, he could be moved to and to get somebody younger rather than keeping Jay Crowder around. If it's maybe Miami who has the 27th overall pick and they could use, if they need some guy like veteran leadership in Miami, like Jay Crowder, uh, having him back who he actually played with the Miami heat on the 2020 finals for them in the bubble against the Lakers and played pretty well. If they could, the Suns could use that to get somebody else. Uh, this draft class is not really something that is one of the best ever, or it does not have a stockpiled, uh, you know, talent uh, in, in, in recent years compared to, you know, compared to like, say, uh, 2003 when LeBron came out with Carmelo Anthony, uh, and such, or even, you know, 2010 when, you know, Kyrie Irving came out, number one overall, um, well, you know, and Seth Curry and such. Th those are types of – it's – I wonder what the Suns are going to need. I think they're going to need a creator at all positions who can shoot, uh, but also a guy who could really uh, – the, the, the Suns are about player development, so who's going to be long-term? It's going to have to be a big – if Aiton is going to be shipped off, uh, Definitely. So that's where I see if there are some suitors uh, who is going to basically be on the move. Also, who's going to be able to contend against the bigs in the West Coast? Uh, the Western yep. Conference is going to need they're going to need backups who can defend. Uh, and and Jalen Smith seemed like somebody they could have developed and stayed. And he saw some potential in him, but they shipped him off for Tory Craig. I saw that as something that backfired, actually, uh, for the playoffs because Tory Craig really didn't show up. And they shrink the they they shrunk the rotation for for the Suns and you know Tory Craig when they put him in he really didn't do much so maybe Jalen Smith could have been an answer but now they're going to need to find a way to start over and get another big uh, that maybe could see him develop in the summer league and see where he fits and you know see where the free agency market lands some some other guys and what to address their needs but. It's, it's probably going to be a second-round draft pick if the Suns' best bet or a low first-round draft pick for the Suns if they try to get in this draft. Would you say the same? I definitely would, and I think um, this is going to be one of the most 
crucial off seasons, probably in the past decade or two um, for the Suns, for what the makeup is, the expectations uh, that we have had. And so um, I'm beyond excited to see what takes place. Definitely. Now, the Sphinx um, also saw you recently on AZ Family. Um, and, and speaking of family, I like to sh- give a shout out to my own family. I had a lot happen in the past. Thank you. Weeks. I was going to bring this up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, well, you can bring it up. Okay. I don't want. Yeah. Well, I, you you started with my dad and then dove right in, but I was like, no, we're not getting away from uh, you becoming a father, Dana. So, uh, yeah, tell us all about that. Very excited. Congratulations. Um, I can only imagine, you know, how that feels. And talk to us about how the first few weeks have been for you. Well. It, it, I can only describe one word. When you first see a child born, um, it was euphoric. Uh, that's the best way I could describe it because I was in Scottsdale Shea Hospital with my wife. Uh, it was such a crazy night. You know, she had a great pregnancy and then uh, she finally uh, had gotten to contractions and we went there and the baby was born and and uh, the, they asked her for what playlist she wanted. She said hip hop. And then they started playing, um, you know, Ying Yang Twins on the Pandora. And then uh, 50 Cent in the club uh, was kind of going around uh, on the, the speaker. And it said, uh, it's your birthday. We're going to party like it's your birthday. They were basically two-stepping to this. <laughs> and I thought this nice. was really funny. Because, and, and I'm waiting this. And I had my own playlist that I made. I'm playing Stevie Wonder on my phone. Isn't she lovely? Uh, because that's what the song is about. If you know that that tune, uh, is about the oh theme. yeah, oh it's yeah, about, it's about Stevie Wonder's old child birth, and, and his child actually sings backup on his tour with him now. You know, <laughs> the the one who that's awesome is in that record. Who he actually gives a bath and records it and puts it in that record. She actually tours with him. I saw him on that Songs and Key and Life tour in 2014. It was great. And that, but yet I digress. The thing about seeing your kid born is almost like uh, it's a new beginning for you. It's an, it's your own new birth um, it, because you you feel like this is a, a a changing of the guard for your own life. You know, you are no longer uh, the person that only looks out for you or looks out for your significant other. Everything is geared around your child. So that's the great thing. Then uh, I got my Instagram hacked and <laughs> it's compromised and people started getting all these Bitcoin uh nonsense from this troll that hacked into my account so i had to start a new instagram account and um one of my friends unfortunately got duped out of five grand because she didn't see the uh message in time and not listen to that uh no way yeah it was really stupid really sad and then uh i also caught covid so i've been quarantined my bedroom for the past three days so all in together. I mean, it's been quite the rush as I've had my child born, but such is life, you know, great and bad things happen in threes, I guess. But, you know, I, I'm not going to let this affect the, the greatest moment of life, uh, you know, being a son's beat writer as well as being a father and also Amen. doing this stuff with you, man. So that's good. But I want to segue into section seven. You are having a great, tournament that you and the Peoria boys basketball team is entering. That's the greatest uh, tournament of the season, the off season for most boys and girls, uh, high school basketball teams around Arizona. So tell me about section seven, what it is, what it means for your team and for other teams around the state. 
Yeah, absolutely. Not even the state, Dana. It's it's all around the the, the nation, truly. Right. Uh, you know, over 250 teams, if you count uh, boys and girls roughly, I believe, uh, will be uh, ascending a, a, upon State Farm Stadium uh, beginning this Thursday through Sunday. Uh, yeah, Sunday's Father's Day, but, uh, you know, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday games will be taking place. Uh, for my squad, we'll have a, a shoot around on Thursday uh, at State Farm Stadium, get familiar with the courts, and then our games play begins on Friday at 2.20 on court 11. And uh, this event is, is phenomenal for multiple reasons. One, as a high school athlete, you know a very, very low percentage go on to play at the next level. So for right. many, this is the last time they play very organized sports. And so to have an experience like that as a high school student athlete in a um, stadium such as State Farm Stadium, where there's, I believe, 12 courts, it'll be total if it's the same as last year um, to be able to go and, and experience, um, you know, playing at that level is, is, a, is a lifetime experience and something they'll cherish uh, Two, the Arizona Basketball Coaches Association, which I'm a member of, has done an amazing job to make this uh, event free beginning this year for general admission for the public. So anyone is welcome to come on any of the days and watch amazing basketball for more till night uh, for free, which is, is amazing again, uh, you know, for not just a Peoria community, but anybody that wants to go watch uh, high school hoops. And then lastly is the exposure. So there'll be over 250 to 300 uh, college uh, coaches and scouts in attendance. Um, and that's what the platform is all about, right? Those that, you know, didn't have opportunities to get scouted, um, to have them all transcend in one location and have all these college coaches there, um, you know, so much talent gets picked up or noticed and then interest is now peaked uh, from these um, institutions that allow student athletes an opportunity to play at the next level. So I cannot speak uh, more highly about the event. So excited for our student athletes in the program and all of those uh, coming in, uh, participating and just, you know, being able to go out there and have fun at the end of the day. And so, um, yeah, if, if you're around and in town this weekend, again, Thursday through Sunday, uh, stop by State Farm Stadium in Glendale and, and watch some of that basketball. Yeah, State Farm Stadium is where the Arizona Cardinals play. And if you already mentioned that, sorry. But I, I really think that it's great for the kids who, because they need this experience to play in a big arena, a big stadium. They don't get that very often here in, in Arizona. They usually go uh, the past couple of years because of the pandemic They in 2020, uh, or actually in 2021, when they did have the high school season for the teams that could play uh, from the uh, AIA. Uh, Arizona Interscholastic Association that stands for that runs basically the uh, high school state championships. They basically had the teams playing in high school gyms. They had to scale back because they lost a lot of money from the pandemic and such. And then they had them move into playing at the uh, Veterans Memorial Coliseum, the Madhouse on Matt McDowell, as I used to call it, where the Suns used to play, which is old and rickety. And oh yeah, you know, it's classic just, though. Yeah, it's a classic place, but they need to experience to play in a in some place like the State Farm Stadium. I know it's far out from you know most places in the East Valley or Central Phoenix, you know downtown Phoenix, but you know it's West Valley all the way in Glendale, but. The experience is great for you because you're right down the street, basically in Peoria. Uh, so uh, yeah, absolutely. It, <laughs> so it's convenient for you, and it's great for you. You know the Peoria Panthers. Uh, you guys have a lot uh, of great talent. In fact, I remember writing uh, 
athlete of the week or academic all-star of the week for for one kid back last Andrew Camacho yep. yeah he'll be a senior this year that's awesome good for him and uh, I'm glad to see all your kids have success whether you win or lose playing in that type of atmosphere that's one of the greatest things a high school uh, basketball player that I miss is just playing in big arenas for parents and coaches and you know doing everything you can to get noticed and just the experience and to look back on it and say you know what I did that and if you end up in the paper or end up with your pictures or that whether you're in the paper or not you can tell your kids one day I was there you know that was fun and this is where you make friends for life this is where you make memories with kids uh, that are going to take this with them and their legacies and sports with their families. That's the greatest thing about it. Um, Absolutely. And I also want to bring up some highlight about you, man. Mr. Orange highlighted, and I, I felt so happy to write this article on Monday night through Game 5 of the NBA Finals, that you are highlighted in the NBA 75th anniversary marketing campaign for the second time at the conclusion of their uh, landmark anniversary season their diamond season that thanking the fans for 75 years of patronage to their games you clad in your orange costume that you've been wearing for the past 12 years out of the total 20 that you've been a sun season ticket holder uh, and you told me that your first time you were in that uh that uh family dinner and nba lane or to yeah the, yeah the five uh games at christmas time and uh, 2021 so tell us here what it's like to be a part of the nba's you know campaign to promote 75 years of love for their fans and, and 75 years of existence you know really just gratitude so people ask how i've done it for so long uh specifically with how um you know poor the team has performed honestly over you know the past majority of the decade over the except the past two years and um you know to be able to represent the valley the phoenix suns fan base not just here locally but around the world and nba fans as a whole um has been amazing this year you talked about the nba uh, christmas lane commercial and then this being part of the again also 75th anniversary but um you know to show the the passion that we as fans have and how much that is appreciated and valued by uh, organizations the players um and obviously the nba as a whole um is, is truly special and something that is very humbling honoring and um i couldn't be you know more proud of of what i have done in terms of you know the mr orange impact in the community and giving back um and then also you know how that just ties my passion and love for basketball at all levels um it, it's really just um very very rewarding and and i'm i'm just so so blessed um you know to be part of it and for them to continue to uh feature and and highlight in different ways there was also as we were actually playing dallas um they they shared one of the 75th memory um that I had, which was, you know, when Mr. Orange started in the series against the Spurs that we swept them. Uh, so that was really cool. And the, and the NBA put that out on all their social platforms, not on TV, but uh, it was still really cool to, you know, have that sent out. So if you haven't taken a look at that, Dana, take a look. I think I'll you'd look uh, really like that piece for sure. But yeah, it's, and it's great for the Suns fans, right? And to me, anything that gives us that platform, you know, so many people talk about not being a big market team and, uh, you know, we're one of the winningest franchise in NBA history and to not have a champion of course that's something we all are are hoping for and and want to be a part of but really just to show that appreciation for what phoenix suns fans truly are and how committed we are to our team uh is is definitely awesome to see that type of recognition 
Right. And this is a son's town. I mean, at base, it, it always has been a basketball town. It started it with a basketball pro sports team in 1968, courtesy of, you know, uh, Jerry Colangelo basically being the godfather and spearheading that coming from Chicago and being an assistant coach with Chicago and then ended up you know, uh, taking $200 you know, to the middle of the desert and starting helping version this franchise uh, with some others uh, credit due. Uh, and so that, that's the thing about this town is that it is a basketball town, even though there's really no outdoor basketball culture. Uh, a lot of basketball history comes out of here. And I know another thing I need to ask is that, one, how do you get that makeup on and off? How long does it take you to get that orange makeup <laughs> off? And two, uh, would you rather be coaching Section 7 this weekend or the Suns to be playing possibly in a Game 7, which would have been June 19th this Sunday? Yeah, so I will answer both. Uh, from the uh, paint perspective, again, uh, season 12, as Mr. Orange just wrapped up, so I have a very uh, clean process that is um, if, as efficient as it can be, in my opinion, uh, from a paint perspective. So it takes about 15 to 30 minutes to get on, depending on which outfit, usually around that 20-minute range, and then getting it off is about 30 to 40 minutes. And um, yeah, and to make sure, and it's day in and day out. Some people ask, does he stay orange on any of the days, especially in series when it's between games? Uh, no, each time and each event I do uh, or any type of appearance or cameo, any of those uh, I get in character and then uh, out, if you will. Um, and then for the section seven, it's interesting you asked that because last year the playoff schedule looked different, but right. the playoffs had had begun and were going on during this time. And I did have a conflict and Richard Obert, uh, one of your colleagues, uh, actually did a piece on it because the Sunday game was a playoff game for the Suns at home and I had my assistant coach I talked to the team they're like you know coach you have to go um, I think I remember and, this yeah yeah and it was awesome because State Farm Stadium had it on the jumbo jumbo screen at State Farm Stadium and so the, the team was able to we got the win my assistant coach uh, was willing to step up um, lead the team the guys got the win uh, but it was a decision we made as a team collectively and they're like coach you have to go we'll handle it for you here um, and they watched it on the big screen you know in between uh, you know our tip off because the tip offs actually happen to coincide so it wasn't even I can come as coach as Mr. Orange that was a, a conversation we had um, it was literally in the middle of the Suns game so um, it would have been the same exact situation here a game seven there'd be no question uh, especially in the NBA finals that that's where I would be and uh, the team would would want nothing more than than that for for me but unfortunately uh, obviously that's not the situation we're in uh, this year but yeah it's it's great that you asked that question because there was a conflict last year it wasn't the finals uh, at that point but it definitely was um, a, a similar situation yeah so basically you were like a Suns fans Clark Kent with your proverbial telephone booth <laughs> that you had to move into yeah, right yeah yeah <laughs> so, exactly and for me, people were texting me when Suns lost game seven saying, I'm sorry. I had family members saying, oh, it's so unfortunate, Dan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, you know, I, I, I really feel bad for you. I'm like, I don't feel bad in a way because my daughter was when I got time to be a dad. You know, like that's I, I feel for the team. I feel as a journalist that our jobs are not to emote for the team. Our job is to report about the team. And oh, yeah, for you, I could agree. <laughs> you know, all right. So, I mean, I'm from the Northeast. Okay. So I get mad when the Knicks lose and they make stupid decisions. Okay. So, <laughs> when it comes you to you, must be mad a lot of the time then. 
Yeah, that's why I'm not <laughs> raising my daughter as a Knicks fan because that's child yeah, abuse. yeah, right. <laughs> okay, that is that's child abuse. I'm not gonna do it. So if anything, I, I got a son's gear because you know, at least yep. she'll get raised in a, in an era where son's basketball is very proud and she's not suffering like y'all were for ten years. Okay, um, but I think it's great that the son's faithful is back. It's rejuvenated. It shows that this town really cares because for ten years a lot of people didn't care. When I came here in 2018 with my wife, uh, she we really saw barely anybody at those games inside this you know the arena yep. downtown yep. which is we now, know it we didn't there was barely anybody there and so that now i mean with everything going on and this fan base is just so heavily revived and and, and i i feel i feel like that i got to cover this team not in a bandwagon but at a time when um it, it, it i saw the rise and I can say, you know, I was there for the good times Truly. and I yeah. was there for the bad times. And so were you. And so absolutely. And and, that, and now like that, we get some time as a, a summer started early for everybody. Jevin Booker said in, at the after game seven, we get some time to uh, tend to our families who sacrifice for us. So um, I felt the same way. I totally uh, hit me uh, in the heart when he said that, because uh, with my wife pregnant at the time, I felt like with her sacrificing for me and rooting for me and my coverage and rooting for the sons, um, I, I felt like I could tend to her and be the father that I need to be for my newborn daughter and not have to, you know, work within the confines of coverage and being there Absolutely. on site and being at the practice facility and getting up in, at four in the morning and changing my daughter's diaper and feeding her and not getting enough sleep and not being able to uh, learning how to work efficiently with lack of sleep and, and 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 also you know wondering if i not catch covid you know that, that i did so those all all these things happen for a reason and it's all good. Last thing we want to talk about for the next uh, two minutes or less is the sports awards that AZ Central had at AZ ASU Gamage in Tempe. And you know, the, it was the first time they held the sports awards in person for the first time in two years because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw some tweets from some people in the local high school media that are not USA Today Sports Network affiliated that said that they wish they got invites um, and some people share that sentiment. Now, as a high school coach, uh, you did not, uh, you have not been to the sports awards. I know that USA Today requires that fans who are not, or family members who don't uh, have, uh, or are not given that plus one from the nominated kids or coaches that they have to buy tickets. So, do you feel some type of way that this should change, that people should be more so invited to this uh, part of ex- the experience of celebrating high school sports for the school year? I absolutely do. So outside of COVID, which I get over the past few years, um, you know, just because you're not nominated or um, an award recipient, uh, to me, you know how much I give to this community and the sports um, in, in high school in Arizona. So to me, that's, that's an event of, uh, you know, every year that would be um, an honor to be a part of and, and at to uh, celebrate with those student athletes because they're di- there during their four years. Um, and then they move on where us as coaches are there for decades and decades. So to be able to, you know, be a part of that, I think is almost like a fraternity and, and something that we're a key part of. So it's most definitely uh, something I have a passion for. Do I feel snubbed? No, but I think it's something that should be considered. Uh, 
um, you know, for open invites to college or high school coaches, excuse me, and to be able to have the option to attend. Right. And, you know, a lot of the top athletes, let's be real, they have their days planned out for them to stay at the top level that they are and to get, you know, the recruiting and all the things that happen when it comes to visiting colleges and they might not be there at the sports awards that happens in early June every year. The last two years we've held it virtually uh, through uh, AZ Central, USA Today Sports. So Phoenix is just uh, its own entity of uh, the, you know, the West uh, and Arizona uh, in this, in, in the major market that it is. Okay. So we don't control it at AZ Central. We basically just go off of what USA Today Sports tells us to do. Um, and we just nominate the candidates. It's up for the kids to show up. It's up for the coaches to show up who are nominated. A lot of the times they're not and they win awards. And I've literally had to drive trophies to schools to that for those who did not show up to accept the awards. Okay. So it, it's, it is kind of a, a catch-22 in which, you know, if you, if you want to be there, you'll be there if you're nominated. And those who weren't nominated want to be there. And so, you 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 know, it's almost like uh, you do what you can to please everybody, uh, even though we're pretty much at the beck and whim of USA Today Sports. So I try to do what I can to show uh, gratitude for being a part of the, the ceremony when I was there and to show love as a former high school sports writer because I don't forget my roots and also to do what it's right to prove that um, we pretty much just go along with, uh, with, with the celebration of the night and not take away from it because the focus is about the kids and uh, for the families to share uh, their kids' achievements or working so out so many years if they continue to do it in college or if they uh, have done what they were doing so well in high school and decide to just not do it anymore and, and, and move on. If they decide to go to college and take their achievements uh, and hang them up on the mantle, cool. Like, I, I really think that as adults, it's up to us. And you're right. We, we, I think that more coaches should be invited, but it's really about showing the kids uh, the, 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 you know, what, what, what they've done for their careers in high school and junior high and ever since they were yay high at like uh, the elementary school level to do what they loved and not focused on how we feel as adults where we should be in the ceremony. So, but Patrick, Mr. Orange, it's always a pleasure hanging out and talking with you about this stuff and let's do it again soon. Folks, thank you again. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.